Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. On tonight's episode, we will be continuing our free agency and contract extension talk as well as some trade talks. And we'll get Winnipeg signings out of the way because I don't think that there are that many to really go over and I think you generally get the implications. Nothing too surprising here, if maybe a little bit disappointing. So we'll start with the extension of Lucas Abisa for one year at $800,000. I think in isolation this deal doesn't look horrible if you were a team that basically just wanted to shove him in the AHL or whatever, but I think for the Jets, in the roles that Sabisa has played, he's often been called upon many times, whether playing in a depth role or occasionally playing in Winnipeg's top four. When he's on the ice, bad things tend to happen against your team, and that's just a, a real serious situation if you're bringing a guy back who, especially, you know, Paul Maurice seemed to like on the penalty kill and different things like that. At even strength, you know, Sabisa's defensive work, not particularly great. I feel like people see this guy who's like a big, hitty defender with occasionally a couple of fights, and they think, well, maybe he's a good defenseman. But that's not really the case. Sabisa is a third-pairing guy at best, occasionally worse than that. We all know that his on-ice impacts tend to not be great, but even by the eye test, I think that there are a number of issues with this game. The first thing is that he doesn't really tend to see that many uh, offensive threats coming his way that he actually recognizes. Kind of how a lot of Winnipeg's defenders tend to have poor defensive awareness, Sabisa falls into this category as well, and when he's under pressure, he's not really good at handling the puck. He did score a couple of goals this season, but that's not really the expectation for him, right? I mean, he's supposed to be this big physical player who can block opposing skaters in front of him that block shots and try to clear the zone, but that's not really what he's good at. Unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot that he brings in his position. And as far as defensemen go, yeah, not really a great signing. About the only thing I can say is that at least it's just for a season, and it's only 800 k it's very cheap, but I hope that he doesn't really get a whole lot of minutes this year. If he does, I think the Jets are going to be in real trouble. Speaking of not great signings, we also brought in Nate Thompson for around 700000 for a year, and I look at this contract and I just don't really understand why Winnipeg decided to spend money on this guy. You know, Thompson is who he is at this stage of his career. He's a below-replacement level center. He tries to kill penalties, but I don't know if any of you watched the Philadelphia Flyers during the postseason. Season, but whenever Thompson was on the ice, the Flyers just got absolutely eviscerated. Defensively, he struggles to carry the puck under pressure. He's not really somebody who can make clean zone exits. On offense, he doesn't really provide anything either. He's not really a shot generator, and he's often behind the play and not really capable of keeping up with his linemates. Again, here's another cheap one-year contract that technically you can say you get exactly what you paid for, but you're not really paying for anything. And to be honest, in my opinion, you're actually getting negative value with Sabisa and Thompson because, you know, when you think about it, you're taking away value that a potentially different free agent brings in. Now look, I get that the Jets are a bit of a tough sell for a lot of free agents, and oftentimes the Jets don't want to spend a whole lot of money, especially on what they view as depth players, but by the same token, spending, you know, almost a million and a half between Sabisa and Nate Thompson, I just don't really see the value there. Both of these guys are most likely top-end AHLers at best, and I don't really see why the Jets felt that somebody internally, or at least on the free agent market, if they paid a bit more, couldn't do the same job. Winnipeg needs to insulate Cole Perfetti should he play, and the same with, you know, guys like Dylan Sandberg and Vili Heinola, but this isn't really insulation. This is just kind of 
pretty poor signing value. I'm not really a fan of either of these contracts, and unfortunately, the Jets continue to do this trend of, of not really having players on that back end that I can really trust. I don't know whether these contracts get stamps of approval from the coaching staff, but if they do, the coaching staff, again, tends to really value poor players, and it's just maddening that the Jets waste money time and time again. As people, I'm sure these players are great. I'm sure that they're super nice guys and maybe good in the room, but in terms of on-ice performance, not good enough. Trending in a slightly better direction, we have Mason Appleton signed for two years at 900000 By some models, he was expected to get around eight fifty per year, but I think 900000 is perfectly fine. It's a good value deal. Appleton's a very capable fourth liner who has occasionally been pressed into more higher duties, but I think as a defensively oriented winger with some offensive upside and a little bit of a forechecking talent, Appleton's perfectly fine. You know, you're not really expecting him to be a huge play driver, but if he can basically muscle guys off the puck and shield the puck while in possession and driving play up the ice, I think that that is perfectly okay. Appleton doesn't have to be particularly amazing, but if he's good enough at what he does, I think that that contract is excellent value. On the trend of I'm not really sure what to think of these particular contracts, the Jets did sign uh, CJ Cease to a two-year, two-way contract with uh, an average annual value of 725 k And Cease, I think at this stage of his career, is mostly like a top-six AHLer, maybe a bottom-six AHLer. He never really showed significant offensive upside, and I feel like when he got called up to the Jets, he just didn't really have the kind of impact that I was hoping. You know, Cease has some uh, upper-end offensive skills when he was in the NCAA, but as far as that translating to a pro-level style, I haven't really seen enough to be impressed. I think that he is a, a gritty, grindy, forechecking forward, but unfortunately that's not really translating to stuff where he's actually able to get, like, greasy goals and offensive opportunities by forechecking and grinding that space out. You know, I'm sure that he'll be an effective forward for the Moose, but as far as the Jets are concerned, I don't really see him being a particularly big role player here. The even more unknown quantity is bringing in Dominic Tuninato on a one-year two-way contract with a price of 700 k Tuninato at one point when he was with uh, the Colorado Avalanche was pretty good. He was a nice two-way forward who could actually shut down opposing chances, especially in front of the net. And for 700 k I feel like he's already better than Nate Thompson. You know, he's that kind of player who I feel like is mostly an average NHL forward, but I think average at 700k a season, totally fine. You know, I think people underappreciate the value of average play at a league minimum contract. And this is the kind of deal that I could get behind because Toninato actually has a decent amount of offensive upside in a limited role. I don't expect him to be as good as Nick Shore was. In fact, I would rather bring in Shore too as well, but of course... You know, the Jets are just signing a couple of cheap value contracts. Toninato is probably one of the better ones that they've picked. All of this, I think, kind of points to the fact that I'm not really expecting any big deals from the Jets, and I'm kind of disappointed because, you know, getting Stastny is obviously great, right? But the Jets still need a top four defender. Of course, I wouldn't have really been interested in some of the free agents that they were signing out there, TJ Brody being one of them, not really my kind of thing. There is one player who just signed with Anaheim that I probably would have been at least partially interested in if the price was right, but I imagine getting him to Winnipeg would have been very difficult. And I'll tell you a little bit about who that is in just a moment. But before then, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about breaking your daily walls. What really stands in your way when you start your day? For me, I think getting out of bed and getting going, especially thinking about all the work that stands before me, is often a bit of a daunting task. 
Especially when, let's face it, during quarantine, a lot of us are probably becoming night owls. When you need to pick me up in the morning, though, are you turning to nasty energy drinks? If so, the fine folks at Built Bar have a brand new alternative that's healthy, natural, and delicious. They've just launched Built Go, gels that come in conveniently sized one and a half ounce pouches that you can take just about anywhere. Whether you need a quick hit on your golf course run or an energy boost while you're working, Built Go is also perfect for pre-workouts, combining natural energy, the sweet flavors of peanut butter, honey, and chocolate without the crash from other caffeine supplements. Built Go comes with all sorts of vitamins and minerals to get you kick-started, including beta-alanine, B3, honey, and caffeine. It's also fortified with vitamins B6 and B12 to keep it going all day for the rest of the day. To get started, visit Bilco.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilco.com. Let's go! During quarantine, it can be a little bit tricky trying to figure out what to have for dinner. By now, you're probably tired of frozen TV dinners and pizzas that just don't quite cut it. Worst of all, your family's probably moaning and groaning about having the same thing over and over again, and they're looking for a little bit more of a spark. Then you get the great news that everyone wants something different, whether somebody's asking for pasta, another person wants Vietnamese, maybe a third person wants Mexican, and a fourth person in the family who wants to be difficult wants frozen yogurt. How do you make sure everyone stays happy? The answer is DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you want right to your doorstep. Ordering is super easy. Just open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-to restaurants or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Best of all, you can even save money while supporting all of your local favorite spots. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Earlier, we were covering some of Winnipeg's free agency acquisitions and extensions, some of which are a little bit surprising, others not that surprising. We all kind of know who the Jets tend to sign in free agency and for how much. I tend to think the Jets think that there may be just a few depth pieces away from contending, but I think the reality is a little bit more serious, so hopefully this isn't the end of it and the Jets actually pursue somebody decent. One guy that might have been an interesting fit, but probably wasn't going to come to Winnipeg for the cheap, is Kevin Shattenkirk, who has signed with the Anaheim Ducks for three years by $3.9 million or so. This is a pretty good value contract. Shattenkirk revitalized his image when he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, even though his results with the New York Rangers were actually pretty good. I feel like Shattenkirk is often seen by the public as somebody who's not really defensively sound, but he's actually a great two-way defenseman, and he actually brings a lot of offensive tools that I think would be perfect for a power play. He's comfortable shepherding the puck into the offensive zone, he's good in transition, and he's got a pretty underrated shot and great passing instincts. Overall, he's just a really nice, well-rounded offensive defenseman who can be trusted to carry the puck up and down the ice and occasionally shut down opposing opportunities in his own end. I wouldn't call him like a really high-end elite defender in his own end, but he's more than capable enough and certainly a top-four defender all around. One other deal for a defender that kind of maybe caught my attention for not exactly being what I expected is Tyson Berry with the Edmonton Oilers for one year at $3.75 million. I'm not really sure what this contract is other than a show-me kind of deal, but I guess at this stage of his career, Barry is looking for a long-term cash-out contract, and I don't really know if he's going to get it. The thing that's always very puzzling about Barry is that he's seen as this really dynamic offensive defender, but he's not really that good at creating a lot of offense. He does have a pretty nice shot, and he's got great skating, but I don't know if all of that coalesces into a really well-rounded package that I'd pay a lot of money for. 
Defensively, he's kind of non-existent. He doesn't really man-mark, and he's certainly not capable of shutting down shooting lanes or blocking passes all that effectively. Figuring in all of the defensive issues that Edmonton currently experiences and all of the goals that they concede because they don't really have goaltenders who can bail them out constantly, it's not a very sensible signing. It's like getting a worse version of Neil Pionk, and Pionk's not exactly a rock in his own end either. Ironically enough, the Oilers did also bring in a couple of uh, free agent forwards, one of whom was already with them, and they just signed him for one year at $1 million, and that's Tyler Ennis. Ennis is a great play driver, and even though he's a little bit small and has had some re recent injury spates, I think that Ennis is a great value forward. When you want veteran savvy and creativity along the walls and in front of the net, Ennis is that guy. He's not exactly a prolific goal scorer, but when he's on the ice, his presence near the net can create tons of dangerous chances for his linemates. He's definitely a very talented forward, and even at his age, he's definitely somebody who, for just a million bucks a year, is a great value deal and Edmonton should be happy with it. Coming out of Nashville after a buyout, the Oilers brought in uh, Kyle Turris for two years at 1.65 per year. I think that this is a fine contract. I didn't really love the Tourist contract when it was signed with Nashville a couple seasons ago, but as far as Tourist coming in now on a cheap deal, it is what it is. Again, he's kind of like McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl in that he's not really a defensive center, and I don't know that he really solves any particular needs for them. Maybe they kind of push him out towards the wing, but I tend to think that he'll be their third-line center, and maybe he brings some offensive spark. I'm not really convinced on this one. He used to be a pretty talented goal scorer, but nowadays, it's tough for him to even make starting lineups. That's not to say that he's not good enough to. I think that in Nashville, he actually was, but there was some contract disputes or something with the coaching staff, and he got frozen out as a result. But, you know, by the same token, I also don't really think that this is the kind of deal that moves the needle for the Oilers. They definitely need talented wing depth and scoring, and I just don't see this as the kind of contract that really changes anything. One signing that I thought was very underrated and pretty savvy is Miko Koivu to the Columbus Blue Jackets for a year at 1.5 million. Koivu is definitely advanced in age, but if you need a shutdown Selkie contender, this is your guy. He's just good at dominating possession in both ends of the ice, and I feel like for what the Blue Jackets need in their style of play, Koivu is a perfect fit. Tortorella loves these really defensively minded players who can keep the puck out of his own end, and I think that that's kind of what they're looking for at Koivu. He might be this guy who essentially transitions the team up the ice, even if he's not exactly fast or really offensively dynamic, but he'll bring veteran savvy, smarts, and really strong two-way play to a team that really doesn't have a whole lot of defensive options on their back end. Speaking of defender signing, Chris Tanev is signed for four years with the Calgary Flames at $4.5 per season. I don't really care for this deal all that much. I feel like Tanev at this stage of his career is probably really in his last years of his effectiveness. He's definitely a guy who at this stage of his career is probably looking more towards retirement than extending his career uh, after this contract ends. I feel like this is probably one of his last rides and sure he's going to get paid but I don't know if he's really going to have the kind of defensive impact that the Flames want. For $4.5 per season it's a very expensive gamble and I think it's going to backfire pretty quickly. The Flames in general don't really seem to make very sensible decisions and I don't exactly know what's going on with their front office but more power to them I suppose. Up next we we will continue our free agency conversations and maybe give one or two targets for the Jets to potentially consider, especially before this period of free agency ends. But before we get to that, I thought I'd have a little bit more of a serious conversation. Talking about erectile dysfunction for most men is very difficult and uncomfortable. Usually we just brush it off saying things like, I've lost my mojo, or we avoid the topic altogether with excuses like, I've had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it. The truth is, we just don't really want to talk about it and know how to deal with it. But with Roman, there's finally an easy answer. Using Roman, you can talk with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's safe, simple, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. 
A healthcare pro will work with you step-by-step to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. Getting started is super easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL. Tackling erectile dysfunction used to be difficult, but now there's Roman. Log on today and get the treatment you need and deserve. Welcome back to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets show. We are going to wrap up with a couple more deals and discussions. I think that there's been a lot going on. I haven't even covered all of the deals yet because there's just so much stuff moving in and out of the uh, league transaction page right now. But let us cover some interesting ones. And the first is that Colorado has made a trade with the Chicago Blackhawks and Chicago did not do well here. The Avalanche get Brandon Saad and Denis Joubert for Nikita Zadorov and Anton Lindholm. No matter what anyone says, this deal is just going to be a loss for the Blackhawks. You know, Brandon Saad at this stage of his career is probably closer to a, a decent middle six forward than anything, but Nikita Zadorov is like a third-pairing defenseman whose only reputation is built on basically getting hits. While Zadorov is definitely a big dude and certainly a guy that you would think would be good at being a defender, he's actually not. He doesn't really block out opposing shooters, especially in his own end, and I don't really think that he brings much value other than occasionally smacking guys. Part of the issue is he just doesn't recognize offensive threats fast enough, and I feel like a lot of times his decision-making is very scatterbrained. Zadorov is big and physical, and that's mostly what you get with him. Saad's a very good, very productive, you know, two-way transition wing who I think might be a perfect fit at being a play driver alongside some of their uh, more talented scorers in Colorado. Stan Bowman just really doesn't seem to know 100% what he's doing sometimes, and I feel like those cup wins with Chicago, like I saw somebody say on Twitter, were more luck than anything. The New Jersey Devils have also made a trade, trading with the Toronto Maple Leafs, for Andreas Johnson in exchange for Joey Anderson. And this is kind of an interesting deal because Andreas Johnson is a decent middle six uh, goal scoring winger who doesn't really drive play. But to be honest, I'm not 100% sure what the diagnosis of uh, Joey Anderson's play, especially at the minor league or college levels, has been. It does seem like he might be a decent bottom six player who can be a little bit of a spark for, you know, maybe a third or a fourth line. But beyond that, I don't know that he has a whole lot of offensive upside. Could be that he's just sort of a high tempo energy player that the Leafs want to bring in and Andreas Janssen was going to be too expensive to extend, so yeah, I could see why they would do that. I'm just not sure if either side really wins this deal 100%. There were some more deals that we'll talk about a little bit later on another show, but I did want to talk about a couple of free agents that I wouldn't mind the Jets maybe taking a look at, and I think the first big one that I might be interested in is Mackenzie Wieger. Wieger is a left defender who I believe is right-handed, but he actually plays a pretty good shutdown role, and especially in like a second pairing or third pairing role. I think he'll be a pretty good top four defender, and maybe even the Jets could trust him with occasional first pairing minutes if things get dicey. But Wieger has a really nice uh, shot differential impact, especially shutting down opposing chances in his own end, even though he doesn't really bring a whole lot of offensive upside. He might be a little pricier than some of the other free agents, so I don't know if he would actually come to Winnipeg, but certainly if the Jets are able to to get a nice deal maybe two years for like two and a half million or something I'd be totally down with that something that you know fits the neighborhood of a reasonable contract isn't too expensive and the term is just right for essentially making things a little bit easier for some of our uh, up-and-coming prospects I'd also like the Jets to make another internal acquisition and that is resigning Nick Shore Shore, I think, was a brilliant fourth-line center and played very well, although the Jets may be eyeing Dominic Toninato to play that role instead. 
Either way, I think Nick Shore is the exact kind of fourth liner that I like the Jets to bring in. He's really good in, in defending his own end. You can use him on the PK. And I felt like he actually had quite a few good uh, passing instincts and vision that he displayed. While he's not exactly a prolific offensive force, I actually saw a number of instances where I felt like he made some really good plays that just didn't really result in goals because his line mates aren't exactly offensive uh, powerhouses, so to speak. You know, Nick Shore is the kind of guy that you can bring in on a really cheap contract and trust in just about all situations. If they're bringing Sabisa back, hopefully they bring back Shore because I really liked what he brought. And when he was playing, I thought that the Jets actually had a pretty functional fourth line, even when they had guys who were kind of boat anchors around him. Shore spending even a little bit time outside of his own end with guys like Bork and Shaw at his hip, I think is pretty impressive. Nick's a great player, especially in the role that he was asked to play. And hopefully the Jets bring him back and maybe bring in a nice top four defenseman from somewhere. That's going to do it for tonight's show. I thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampado. Have a great night, and as always, go Jets go.